So I think about this stuff all the time. Okay, I, I'm always thinking about the Bible, about spiritual things, spiritual reality. I'm thinking about the end times, I'm thinking about the book of Revelation, thinking about all the stuff that I've learned over the last, oh, you know, three to six years, so much stuff, and all the stuff that I've had to unlearn, which is like massive, and unlearn so much stuff. As I'm thinking about this, in particularly in light of the last couple of Bible studies that I've put out, especially about the idea that the fifth trumpet is going to come on the same day as trumpets one through four. And I've already described to you how trumpets one through four are going to take place on the same day that we're brought into heaven, along with seals one through four will take place on that same day. And I realized that if we just know one date, we can calculate like everything else, like it's so simple. And if we know one date, we can calculate when the first, second, and third woe are going to take place. When we know those uh, events, then we know pretty much everything else that's going to take place in the book of Revelation. We actually know because we're given day counts and month counts and so on. So as I'm thinking about this in the wee hours of the morning while I'm just laying in bed and I'm just going over this stuff with the Lord and I'm always asking the Holy Spirit to really guide me and lead me because um, I have a platform here I'm sharing with people. I don't want to lead people down the primrose path. I don't want to lead people astray. I want to make a straight path for people, especially, especially for the people who are going to come after us. Like I've said before in, in some other videos and in the comments section, I'm not as concerned about me or you, people who are watching this, as I am with the people who are going to come after us. They're the ones that really need to know the things that are going to happen. And it all boils down to four dates. Okay, The day Christ is going to return and the dates of the first, second, and third woe, which are the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet. I was also thinking about how once something becomes very simple and you can define it in just a, a few sentences, that usually what you've arrived at now is, is the truth of something. Basically, you've been able to encapsulate a, a, a huge body of truth and bring it into the most uh, simple expression of it. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about Albert Einstein and his uh, theory of relativity. E equals mc squared, that energy is equal to the mass of something times the speed of light squared. Okay, that's a very simple little formula. E equals mc squared. And yet how much went behind that? How much did Albert Einstein have to invest in order to arrive at this particular equation? But this one little equation was able to equate energy with mass, okay? Something that I don't know had been done before. As I'm thinking about this, I'm going, I, I'm thinking in my mind and I'm going, okay, people have asked me, well, can you do this, make this really simple so that and I can just present this to somebody. And I started thinking about everything that went into 
arriving at these four dates that I'm, I'm going to give you in just a minute here. Everything that went into, and I can't even list it all, I, I wrote things down, not in any particular order, but of all the things that I had to learn first before I could arrive at this. It's my version of Einstein's E equals MC squared. So before I could get there, I had to start with the Revelation 12 sign, which meant I had to understand God's purpose for the sun, moon, and stars, which are for signs and for seasons, for days and years. That signs is a primary reason for God putting the sun, moon, and stars in the heavens. Then I had to study feast days. Okay, There are seven feasts of the Lord. They're not the feasts of the Jews. They're not the feasts of Israel. They're the feasts of the Lord and in the symbolism that's tied up in these seven feast days, we have God's plan of redemption. And so I have numerous videos on the feasts of the Lord. We also, along with the feasts of the Lord, covered the harvest pattern, which goes over the first fruits offering, the main harvest, and gleanings, which tell us something about how God brings his harvest into heaven and that it isn't all at once. It's over the the course of at least three different groups, which are the, the first fruits, the main harvest, and the gleanings. That's how God harvests not only people, but it's how he harvests entities during the end times as well. It also shows us the giving of the Holy Spirit and every first fruits harvest festival, whether it's first fruits of the barley or the wheat of Pentecost or the olive grapes, other fruit, anything else that's left over, over the Feast of Tabernacles, all has to do with the giving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be involved in all of those feasts. In addition to learning about first fruits, we had to learn about the firstborn, which is the first fruits of a woman's womb and a man's strength. The firstborn son is so important in scripture that's never talked about. You never hear the, the whole idea of being a firstborn preached from the pulpits. It has to do with sonship and position in the family of God. It has to do with the birthright and God's choosing of some people, especially for himself. So the temples of God are really important too. And I especially started thinking about that when I realized the two witnesses are the two olive trees and the two lampstands refer back to Zechariah 4, which talks about olive trees and lampstands in the light of Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, who were builders of the second temple. And I realized that the two witnesses are going to be the ones who are going to erect this tribulation temple. And then I started thinking about, well, what kind of temple are they going to be building? And so I did a whole Temples of God video series where I talked about the Temple of Melchizedek, the original temple that was in Eden. Talked about the Tabernacle of Moses, the Tabernacle of David, Solomon's Temple, the coming Millennial Temple, the, the Tribulation Temple that's going to be built. And I think I may even have covered the Eternal Temple where God dwells in the New Jerusalem. So that whole thing of temples, which then included the priesthood, okay, priesthood of Melchizedek, kings and priests, which God has made us into a kingdom of priests. Also talked about Daniel, because when I realized that there isn't a seven-year tribulation, then we had to study Daniel's 70th week, which is in Daniel chapter 9. We had to kind of get clarity on that, that we're talking about 
Shemitah years, we're talking about groups of seven years and then groups of jubilees until finally we get to 490 years divided by 49. There's 49 years and then that 50th year inclusive is the jubilee and so there are 10 jubilees actually in that group of 70 years. That 10th jubilee will be when Christ returns and we know that the 10th Jubilee is going to be ushered in on the Day of Atonement, which brings us to uh, Second Coming of Christ on a feast day, on the Day of Atonement, according to the passage of Daniel chapter 9. Then we also got some input about when the uh, first coming of Christ would take place, how the 70th week of Daniel is broken up into two sections. The first part is Jesus' first coming. The second half of the 70th week is Jesus' second coming, which will begin when the man of sin commits the abomination and there's this overspreading of, of abominations. The first coming of Christ deals with the sin problem and the second coming of Christ when he comes as the king of kings and as our warrior king deals with the dominion problem that is getting the dominion of the earth back to man uh, under God not under Satan. So then we had to talk about covenants because <laughs> Daniel talks about covenants and so there's a Mosaic covenant, there's the Abrahamic covenant, there's the new covenant. We had to talk about which covenants have expired and which ones haven't which brought us also into this idea of a seven day with an eighth day pattern of the male child of a priest who is in the doorway of the tabernacle for seven days and then begins to minister on the eighth day about uh, lepers who are cleansed in the field brought to their home but they live in the doorway of their home outside of their home until the eighth day when they can go to the temple a picture of being able to be totally cleansed from sin and enter into God's presence. Also touching a dead body that these are bodies of death that we live in right now and once we have been given a new body, our immortal body, we will then have seven days uh, in our immortal body and on the eighth day we'll be able to uh, be presented to God. We talked a bit about resurrection bodies, about the, the body that God has prepared for us, our immortal body. It's in heaven waiting for us. Our immortal bodies are celestial bodies. They are spiritual bodies. They are in heaven. We are not going to be given a body from this earth, okay, as molecules of this present earth come back together and form a body and then our spirit goes into it and then we shoot up into heaven. That isn't how this works. Whether you're dead or whether you're alive, at the same time, you will be given your immortal body. The dead will receive their immortal bodies in heaven where these bodies are being kept. And believers on earth who are going to be raptured in this uh, very first rapture uh, will be given their immortal bodies on the earth. That is, this present body will be swallowed up in life. We talked about the bride. The true bride was foreshadowed by Eve, the first woman who was built. And Christ is building his church. Uh, buildings are built, temples are built, cities are built. And of course, we have the New Jerusalem uh, as the bride. We know that Jesus is building his bride and the bride will not be complete and given her glorious white robes until after the end of the millennium. 
I looked at definitions of words because a lot of these words are conflated. So for example, our gathering together to the Lord is often conflated with our rapture, which is conflated with the coming of the Lord. All of these words have different meanings and different applications in scripture, and it's really important that we understand the differences. And so I've done a video series called Words, Words, Words. There are many, many types and shadows in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament that show us what God is going to be doing during the end times. Types and shadows of cities, Babel, Babylon, which is a type of this present world system that we're in right now. I talked about time in Revelation, how time is meant to be taken literally in Revelation. And if it's not literal, then it doesn't have any meaning for us. It's hard to understand what the meaning would be, to know what the day counts and the month counts, and even what the hours mean. That time in Revelation is literal. I also talked about what it means to be in the spirit. To be in the spirit means that you're a time traveler. You're going to travel through time and space. John was in the spirit traveling through time and space. Ezekiel was in the spirit. He traveled through time and space. Paul was in the spirit and he went into heaven and saw things that people can't utter, that no man can utter. And Philip was in the spirit. The spirit caught him up and moved him from uh, where he was speaking with the Ethiopian eunuch to a whole nother place. So being in the spirit is all about time travel. And what this tells us is that Revelation is not written in chronological order. Many people already understood that, but they didn't know how to uh, be able to take all the information that's in Revelation and sort of take it apart and then reconstruct it to create a timeline. We know that Genesis 6 was really important because we're talking about earth dwellers. We're talking about the giants, the earth born. And in Revelation, those who dwell on earth, all who dwell on earth, the earth dwellers are these hybrids that we first read about in Genesis 6, which led us to understand or led me to understand that the tribulation, the point of it is the judgment of God on the fallen entities, okay? Not on fallen humanity, not on people who've rebelled. The judgment of people will take place at the great white throne judgment. God is choosing to judge the fallen angels, the watchers, the fallen sons of God, the demons, the fallen angels who are going to be cast out of heaven. All, all the fallen entities, including the beast and the false prophet, and anyone who sides with the beast or the false prophet by taking the mark. The judgment that the tribulation time is all about is going to culminate in the judgment of the fallen entities. Jude 6 tells us that those angels who've been kept in chains in the deepest, darkest of the pit are going to be judged at the judgment of the great day. The great day is when Christ comes. It's the millennium. It's the uh, day of the Lord when Christ is going to uh, judge all of those fallen ones, except for Satan, who will be put in the pit uh, until the end of the millennium. We talked about how the harlot and the beast are two different systems, that the harlot comes out of uh, Mystery Babylon, which is Babel, 
Babel was never judged. It was mitigated, okay? It was mitigated. And the seeds of Babel have uh, been sown all over the earth. All cultures of the earth carry Babel with them. This hierarchical structure, the people who control are on the top and they control those who are on the bottom. And this structure is also been found even in churches. This is how people operate in church. The letters to the seven churches are primarily a um, a warning against being involved in, especially the 144,000 that we're going to transfer this ministry that we have to those people, they cannot get involved in harlot Christianity. And it's a structure of control. It's a system of control. It might be benign and benevolent, but it's control nonetheless. This is that Nicolaitan Babylonian uh, spirit that has crept into the to the fellowship and to the churches of God. And when uh, the destruction of the harlot takes place, well, this whole system is going to come crumbling down. So we also realized that when Christ came the first time, he came to deal with the sin problem. When he's coming back the second time, he's going to deal with the dominion problem because uh, dominion was taken away, was usurped from us. Uh, by Satan and then by the watchers, the fallen angels, and then by the demonic earth dwellers, these people who are either hybrids or they're demonically possessed. And they are the current controllers of the earth right now under Satan. Once uh, Satan sets up his man, the Antichrist, then he is going to destroy the harlot. She was just there to be used until his son, his false son, the beast, uh, begins to reign. We learn about the remnant of Israel and the reason, the primary reason for the establishment of this nation of Israel in 1947-48 was so that the children of Israel could be gathered from the four corners of the earth and come to this one location. And that at the proper time, at the time of the abomination of desolation, Christ will lead this group into the wilderness. And so he will be able to keep this remnant to be sort of that foundation for Israel in the millennium, that God will keep his promise to Abraham. Christ will take this remnant into the wilderness for 1,260 days and preserve them there. We also learned that salvation is totally possible during this uh, end time period, that once this first rapture takes place of kings and priests, uh, and we also learned the reason why this one rapture, first rapture has to take place, and it has to take place before any seals or trumpets, is that before Christ can leave the golden altar, leave his intercession there, and take this commission from his father to um, carry out the judgment of the fallen angels and the watchers and so on, there has to be a new rotation of priests that have come into the heavenly temple who can be there at the golden altar interceding for people and that's the job of the the male child who's going to rule and reign with Christ the 24 elders it's the reason why we go into heaven and if we don't get there then Christ will not leave that altar to take the scroll to take that commission which leads to the ultimate destruction of the the watchers of the hybrids the fallen angels we also learned that there won't be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit after the abomination of desolation, but that if people fear God and give him glory, that they will be taken in that rapture that takes place just before 
the day of the Lord begins, when Christ comes on a cloud and harvests that final group of people. And that if people will endure to the end, and if there are people who are still coming to Christ, fearing God and giving him glory, up until the moment that Christ returns, they will be a part of that of the body of Christ of the church okay they will be entitled to uh, the resurrection with a celestial body they'll be part of the bride we also learned the role of angels that angels and people have been given dominion over various areas God has given Christ dominion over everything and then Christ will be able to hand the kingdom and everything that's come under his feet Back to the Father again. We learn what the tribulation temple will look like. There's a blueprint for that in the book of Revelation. We know the geography that we see in the book of Revelation during the end times, how that geography is going to change during the millennium and how it will change then when there's a new heaven and the new earth. We talked about the cast of characters and the symbolism of all the, the people and entities and everything in the book of Revelation. Okay, so it's taken about, I don't know, five years or so to do all of this, and I've made over 800 videos. All of that to bring us to the four dates. Okay, the four dates that I'm going to give you right now. This is if the second coming of Christ is in 2027. So like I said before, Daniel's 70th week ends at the beginning of the 10th Jubilee which means that when Christ returns, he's going to return on the Day of Atonement. So that gives us our starting date right here. And everything is going to move off of this date. Either Christ will return this year or next year. And so what we just need to do now is just find the day for the Day of Atonement in the year 2027. So that's uh, the 11th of October for 2027. That's the first date. If we subtract 1,260 days from this date right here, Christ's second coming, 1,260 days is how long that remnant of Israel will be in the wilderness. Christ will bring the remnant in and leave the remnant out. Okay, so if we subtract 1,260 days, we'll get to the day when the remnant has to flee. That also is the day of the abomination of desolation. It's also the day of the sixth trumpet, which is the second woe. So if we know this date, we subtract 1,260 days from October 11th, 2027. That brings us to April uh, 29th and 30th of the year 2024. The sixth trumpet, which is the second woe, lasts a single hour on a day, month, and year that's already been predetermined by God. If we know the sixth trumpet, we know what the fifth trumpet is because the sixth trumpet will start as soon as the fifth trumpet is over. The fifth trumpet lasts uh, five months and if we subtract five months, five lunar months from April 29th and 30th, we end up at December 5th, 2023. All right, so here's the, the a big aha moment that I had a few days ago. That is, we know that trumpets one through four will take place on the day that we're raptured. Okay, the day we're caught up is seals one through four and trumpets one through four. And then when I'm looking at the events associated with trumpets one through four with volcanic, what looks like volcanic activity and smoke and, and a third of the earth 
darkened and then the beings who are in the pit are told that they can't harm the earth and everything like the first four trumpet angels had been doing but they had the power to torture people for five months and I realized okay trumpets one through five are probably all going to take place on the same day and if we know that day well that's the day of our rapture that's the day we're taken into heaven okay and if we subtract eight days before that we'll know the day that we're changed because of that seven eight day pattern that I talked about earlier if we know the day of the day of atonement and we subtract 1260 days we arrive at this date right here and then if we subtract uh, five months we arrive at December 5th 2023 the seventh trumpet is going to be after the wrath of God comes and the time comes to raise the dead and reward God's servants, the prophets, both small and great, and destroying those who destroy the earth. Right? We know that there are seven days that are again connected with, with people, believers, who are going to receive a resurrection body. And that feast day then would be over the Feast of Tabernacles which is after the Day of Atonement. And this is also the date when the entities, uh, the beast and the false prophet, any harlot members who are still existing, the earth dwellers, people who've taken the mark of the beast and so on, will be formally uh, cast into the lake of fire on this day over here, probably the eighth day of tabernacles. And this is one of the reasons why Tabernacles is going to be celebrated, I believe, throughout the millennium. Right? This is the day of Christ's victory over all these beings. The seventh trumpet over the Feast of Tabernacles would begin on October 16, 2027. So if you look at the timeline here, you start here on the Day of Atonement. You subtract 1,260 days, which is also that... 42-month reign of the beast, time, times, and half a time. And you get to the sixth trumpet, which is also um, the abomination of desolation. You subtract five lunar months, you end up here on the fifth trumpet. This is when the pit opens. Trumpets one through four take place before that. This is also the day of our rapture, number one. And eight days before that date, is going to be the day that we're born. Okay. That's, that's when our change takes place from mortal to immortal. That's when death is swallowed up, mortality is swallowed up by life, and we receive our celestial body that's being kept for us in heaven. So all of this that I've done is to get to these four dates right here, which is basically the date for the second coming of Christ on the Day of Atonement, and then the dates for the 5th, 6th, and 7th trumpet. And then all the other events of Revelation are relative to these dates right here. So what I've done here is I've taken all that information that I just touched on. Okay, It's all developed in other videos and Bible studies. And it's been condensed down to four dates. It's my E equals MC squared. If we're not changed, if nothing happens this year, okay, 2023, 20, over the next few days, then what that means is that the delay that we read about in both Revelation chapter 10, which is in, in the context of our change from mortal to immortal, 
and the uh, weight when the angel with the seal of the living God, who is Jesus, tells the four angels, four trumpet angels, don't do anything until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Um, that is also a wait or a delay. So those are two events that take place around the same time, which led me to understand that the delay is about our change in sealing of the 144,000. That is the transfer of ministry to this new group and also leading people to the Lord along the way. But like I said, if nothing happens, then the delay for all of that may be put off to 2028. And then we just calculate new dates again. We always start with the second coming being on the Day of Atonement and then work the dates backward from there. So if we're still here and we're in an unchanged state, you know, at the end of next week, then we will have the new um, timeline with the new dates for 2028, Second Coming of Christ uh, in, in that timeline. So what we have here is basically it's a template and the order of events always stays the same. It's just the date will change depending on the date we're looking for for the second coming of Christ. And it's the second coming of Christ that is really the important thing here. It's not our rapture, okay? Because when Christ returns, he will have conquered our enemies, okay? He will have conquered all those beings that have made this world a terrible place. All the violence, all the war, all the injustice, it will all be gone when Christ returns. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the, the blessed hope of the second coming of Christ, of his appearance to uh, rule this world with a rod of iron and eventually hand all of this back to his father again. And then the, the real life, our real life will begin when the uh, dwelling place of God is with men on the earth and we are in a glorified state living with God and with Jesus in the holy city and also living in fellowship with the people who are on the new earth. So one topic that I haven't talked a lot about is the whole idea of glorification. And we tend to throw that word around kind of lightly and loosely, but glorification is one of the most amazing, uh, hard to believe um, aspects of, of what it means to be a child of God. Okay, our, our inheritance and our glorification is actually where God is opening up the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and inviting us to come into that fellowship as a part of that fellowship. I haven't talked very much about that, although I have done um, some videos on what it means to be mortal, to be made immortal, and what it means to be glorified. There is a distinction between all of those things. I just thought I'd put a video out and let you see my version of <laughs> E equals MC squared. <laughs> and uh, let me know what you think. And we'll see you on another video. Till then, have a blessed day. Mm -hmm.